sitting here at 15 Perry Street. It's Mentors from Military coming at you with my sidekick, Jason Belford. So our guest today is Brian Marks, and if you guys are watching us on video, you can see these uh, badass Hawaiian shirts that we hope to dive into and understand a little bit more about them. I think Jason's is a little bit more louder than Brian's, but um, we'll try to understand why Jason chose this color combination. Uh, I'm louder. Yeah. So, uh, Brian, first off, welcome to the Military Podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Where, where is it that you came from? Uh Originally, a little town called Chester, West Virginia, from the northern panhandle. Okay. Um, th- there's a panhandle in... There are two. In West, West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, West Virginia. Yeah, this, this is the northern one. It's, it's actually, oh, excuse me, um, sandwiched in between Ohio and Pennsylvania. So about 30 miles outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Um, actually, I think I've been to that exact area then or around that area. Um, my wife's family has a, a cabin or something, and they live up in uh, Newcastle, mm-hmm. Youngstown area and such, and... Always head down there, and um, what a beautiful country. And not only that, but then, like, everything's dirt cheap. I remember going to a restaurant. I think we spent, like, six bucks and got a full-on meal with a dessert. It was crazy. Yeah, it's a, it, was, it was a great area to grow up. And I, I can't speak about how it is today because I haven't been there in quite a long time. But Yeah. Uh, like it, coal mining area and stuff up there? Not, not so much. It's still more steel. Um, it was, you know, obviously kind of right outside of Pittsburgh, a big steel area. Um, a lot of rural jobs, a lot of things like that, but it, uh, big pottery. North West Virginia has uh, Homer Lachlan China, and that was a big, big pottery thing. You'll still see that around and Fiesta Ware and all the stuff that they do. So, now you guys do also do like tree cutting and stuff like that because one guy told me that um, these trees that you're looking at are only like I forget what he said, five years old or something like that, and. He said, you know, we, we pretty pretty much chop them down, and then they, they grow back up. But, I mean, it was just like a luscious green in the summertime. Yeah, there's, there, I mean, all kinds of different industry, obviously, that yeah. runs through that. But it was, uh, like I said, it was, it was a great place to grow up. I, I don't know a lot specifically about what they're actually, how they're making their money these days. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but if I had a chance to, to raise my kids there, I would. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, and you're, given, given it's in West Virginia, I mean, I could think of a few ways they're making their money, but... <laughs> yeah, they're probably a, yeah. Uh, home now is Columbus, though. Or it is. Yeah. Okay, Columbus, Georgia. Um, so when you were growing up in Virginia and stuff, you, I mean, you weren't connected really with the military that much, right? So how was it that you heard about or decided to go into the service then? That's a long and convoluted story, honestly. But uh, it wasn't until I guess I was in my 30s, um, and uh, 9/11 happened. Yeah. Um, it, it just changed the way that I looked at the world and the way I looked at what I was doing in that world. Yeah. And uh, I, what were you doing before the army? I was a uh, I was in the hospitality industry, which is a very wide swath of of jobs. I was in management. Um, I was living in Tampa, Florida at the time and doing fairly well. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and then that happened. You know that that happened. Everything was going the way it was supposed to. You know you have your your checkpoints in life. Why well, should be here at this point? And I'll I'll move to here at this point. So on, etc. It was good, um, and then that happened, and, and it just changed everything. Um, now, it didn't change everything enough to, you know, pick up a pair of boots and run in. You still have your life. You have things going on, but... It you were married at that time, Frank? I, I was. I had, I had my wife at the time, my ex-wife yeah. now. And, um, I got a couple of those. Yeah, you have to, at least one. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it changed how I looked at things and, and how I looked at what I was doing and where my place was, you know, kind of in the world. And it occurred to me that I really hadn't done anything except for myself that, that entire time. My whole life had been geared towards what I want, what I was supposed to do, what I had to do. Um, and so I watched that. I watched that happen. It changed things. I watched the newspaper and the news and everything. I watched the, you know, people coming back and people being killed and different things that were happening. And I thought, well, you know, what, what right do I have to bitch about anything if I'm not willing to go and, and help and do something? So I didn't know if it was possible. I didn't know if it was something that could be done, but I thought I'd you know, run it up the chain. So... Yeah, I, I decided that I would I would pursue it, did a little research, and that led to here. Yeah, so when you went in to look at the different branches, did you already have one in mind at that point then when you said you did some research? Well, I, you know, I was always partial to the Army. Yeah. Just in general, I don't know why yeah. I played as a kid, who knows. But uh, yeah. the the one real... That's true, not bring me people play Navy. They, they yeah. don't. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I've never heard of Maybe in the tub, but yeah. I don't yeah. yeah. But the, the, the real deciding factor was the fact that it was the only one I could join at my age. So at that uh, time, yeah. in 2009, the, uh, the limit was 42, and I was 40, so that, that made the choice for me, I guess, more or less. Yeah. There was the only one I could join for a GED, so it looks like <laughs> two different. Uh, uh, 
your mic is cutting out. That is, I don't know what's going on there. We're going to have to try to fix that. So um, in, in 40 years old, I mean, this is a young man's game. And so you're coming in, and what when you went down to see at MEPS and everything to go and join the uh, the service, join the army, um, did you go option forty? I mean, you were like full on. I'm going all the way then. Yeah, yeah, I did, um, and I actually had to hold out for it um, because my thought was not knowing as much about the army as I do now that I wouldn't have that opportunity if I didn't get that contract. And, and my fear was that at my age, if I even if I made it to the army, which which was uncertain that. I wouldn't have the opportunity to try to get there. Um, and I've always thought, well, if you're, if you're going to try, try help. And then if it doesn't work out, you're just where you were anyway. So, right. Yeah, how did you, um, cause I didn't, I didn't know anything about Rangers, you know, how did you like lead, what led you into like an option 40 contract, like Blackhawk down or uh, no, not so much, not, <clears throat> not so much, but I mean the, the Hollywood stuff is there, but Honestly, it was, again, reading newspapers and seeing who was doing what and kind of where and, and how things are going. And I had to educate myself. I didn't, I didn't really know about the Rangers. I, I was one of those people that still didn't know that there was no you know, unit of Ranger-tabbed dudes that are out there doing great things for the country. I, I wasn't sure the difference. I didn't know how it worked. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, uh, yeah, I, I just as I saw that, I started to delve a little bit more into what the options were. And, and like any civilian, you're like, well, Special Forces is really cool. But I didn't really want to do that. I wasn't sure. I didn't know what the thing was, the process, and whether I'd be able to. Um, and yeah, that was just looking at, the, at what I saw. That was the uh, the most potential attainable, but best job that I could get. I, I can't tell you how many people, um, and it's not a large number, but there are several individuals who are anywhere between the ages of, let's say, twenty-seven and 32 that are just so concerned about going into the military at such a late age. And here you are, 40 years old, and like, yeah. Did you have your degree already? I, I had my associate degree, yeah. Where'd you go to school at? I went to uh, Marshall University. That's right. Yeah. You, um, you know anything about their football team? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. But no, I was not, not on that football. Oh, so we skipped that whole um, section there. Well, it was, it was a short period of time. And it was, <laughs> you know, it got hurt, and it was done, and that was that. So, so, but it was, it was a good experience. He became my hero at work because... Uh, Growing up around the tri-state area, uh, the Marshall Thundering Herd is like, you know, huge where I'm from. Yeah. And uh, my sister lived um, right there in, in the West Virginia, Ohio, like literally drive 10 minutes from the stadium. And uh, it's the, it the only college football game I've ever been to. And um, whenever I met Mark or Brian, I was like, you know, we're talking and He's telling me about, you know, he's like, I, you know, I played a little football or whatever. And I was like, hey, where did you play? And he said, you know, Marshall. And I was like, I love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Instantly became my hero. That was good. <laughs> I mean, was it during the same time frame, too? Or uh, yeah. he, you were, it was a little bit ahead of what? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he was a few years ahead. A few years, yeah. A few years on you. <laughs> he, he was in college in like 88. Yes. All right. So um, you go down, you join the option 40. Did you leave right away? Because you didn't really have anything holding you back other than just whenever the training date, right? No, I was, I was, I was dating my wife now at the time, um, and she was going through nursing school. And one of the things that, that I had an advantage of doing was saying that I pretty much could do when I, go when I wanted to go. I yeah. wanted to make sure I gave my work a couple months notice, all that fun stuff, and I wouldn't go. <clears throat> until she had graduated. <clears throat> yeah. So we made that decision that that way if something happened, she had that and she could go on. So we had no children, obviously, at the time. And, uh, yeah, so they wanted me to go earlier, and, and they said, you have to, and I said no. And I walked away, and they said, okay, you can go later. And, and so <laughs> I left in December. It was, it was actually funny because not, not knowing anything about the Army, they had me report to Fort Knox on December 29th. I, I didn't know about Exodus and holiday block leave or anything like that. So I was excited. Yeah. I get up there, and I'm ready to go. And I sat there in a holding area for about 12 days while they waited to come back. Oh, sorry, about seven days when they came back, and then we actually started basic. So it was confusing, but it was good. So his job is he's communications. Oh, yeah, we're just going to get into that. Yeah, so I was just getting ready to say Fort Knox. That's actually where I went through uh, OSIT and everything at, and that was a long time ago as well. But um, that was a home of the armor back then. It was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I I guess I didn't realize it's still a basic training. Well, it's not now. Yeah. We, we were, the I think, the first class of the last year they were doing basic training. Oh, there, okay. In early 2010. Um, at the time, and that was multiple MOS you know, basic, and there we were. And it was yeah. Nice and cold, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, definitely in December. I left there in September, so I went through the summer um, yeah, there. Was. Yeah. Brutal summers, just like it probably is brutal winters. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Um, when you left there, I guess you went to Gordon? Yeah, we went to, went to Fort Gordon, Augusta. Okay. Um, and, and did the, the training there to become, at the time, a 25 Charlie <clears throat> radio telephone operator. Um, so when you were in basic training, like, how was the, the, the privates and stuff with you? You were like, dude... How, yeah, how old are you? Like, what, that had to be like a different dynamic. Cause you're you're like, like old enough to be their f- like, literally their fathers. Yeah, I ask I ask where they're from sometimes when they ask me that question. Just to make sure, but the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the it, it really it, and, and I get that a lot, especially through through everything through Ranger School. How do they treat you through basic training? How how do your peers and how do your you know how do the the NCOs and, and whatnot? How would they treat you? And honestly. As much of a disadvantage as it might be to be different um, in that way with age, it was just as much of an advantage because of the confusion that it can, <laughs> can cause from people, especially that, that you know are very used to managing a, a specific group of people. And when you fall outside of that group, I, I don't think that you're you know held differently. They're just not really sure how to handle you. So as long as you do what you're supposed to do, like it, you would do at any age, I don't, I don't think it's been any disadvantage. That's, yeah, that, and that's how super humbly is that you know. When, you can see by his sheer size when he walks in the room. Like I'm like, I want to stand the parade rest for him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, uh, you know, um, that, that's why I was wondering because you know, whether they're like this guy must be COD or something. Like who's here? Yeah, there was some of that. <laughs> you know, there was always always some of that, that question and, and and again a little confusion of why I would would be there. But I saw it more again from you know cadre than anything else. Like what do you what is it you're doing here? They, they again it wasn't. The peers, honestly, after a couple minutes and after you go through one or two things together, no one cares. Yeah, that's true. Brian, you're, you're obviously genetically blessed. I mean, uh, when I was your age, there's there's no way. I mean, I'm just a little bit ahead of you, but I mean, I did not look like that, and I sure as hell don't look like that now. I hell, I don't look like that now. Yeah, yeah. He, it's yeah, it, it's fading fast, so let's not not get ahead of ourselves. It's not that I'm half broken and, and falling apart, and the wheels are coming. Well, that's out, because but. of the military. Yeah, yeah that just happens. Yeah. Well, he's half broken, but. He's got a, uh, a hip issue, but he um, here I'm driving down the road a couple I don't know a couple months ago, and you know, he literally like has like a severe hip injury, and I see Marks out there by himself with like a hundred pound sandbag on his shoulder, walking up and down that big ass hill, he's crushing it, and I saw him the next morning coming to the office, and I was like, dude. You can barely walk, and he's like, "I just gotta keep doing it." Like, that. oh, well, you, you try, you try resting it, and resting it doesn't work, then you might as well. He's like, "It's gonna hurt if I do it anyway, so I might as well do it." <laughs> so you left Gordon and went to uh, Benning. Well, yeah. Benning for Airborne at the time we did, we did Airborne first, yeah, yeah. and then and then Rasp and straight to Rasp. Oh, so you did the back when it was Airborne, then Rasp mm-hmm. as opposed to yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. That just changed over in like 2017 when I was the air guide RT. Okay, it's only been a few years that they or something they did right. that because of all the people that would not go. That was their. You know, there's only X amount of option 40s, and then if you or get injured and stuff, they, yeah, uh, they would. You know, recruiters would tell them, you know, hey, just go, and if you don't want to go to do this, quit. So you lose a lot of contracts for people who who wanted to go. So I think that's why they switched it around. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I went to went to RASP. Um, well, now wait, now you show up for RASP, you get out of Airborne, you go over across the, the street there and everything, and uh, basically, <clears throat> then you show up and you're 40 years old. Now, who's your RASP country? Yeah. Ooh, back then, um, uh, Sergeant Israel, I know, was running oh. running RASP at the time. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. I know Sergeant Morrissey was there, um, uh, Dave White. Was one of my cadre. It's out of Cole Range, and, and there's a lot of others that are a blur, honestly. But uh, yeah, some really got. I got the opportunity, obviously, like all of them do, to get trained by some really good dudes. Yeah. Man, I, I, I like pulled you out of the formation, had you stand up front and go, "If this dude doesn't quit, <laughs> I mean, or seriously, quit, this is the dude you got to see first. Yeah, or yeah, either <laughs> or. Because I mean, <laughs> it was actually kind of funny. They, they not not they did a little bit opposite. I, I cannot remember who who the sergeant was that was addressing us the first day we were up there, and we're all in formation and. Somehow he, he saw me, I think, through there, and he came over and he got right in my face and he's like, "It's going to be very physically difficult for you to complete this course." <laughs> I was, you know, what do you, I'm like, Rod, Roger Sarden, and yeah, that was that was it. They, they left me alone after. It's that. physically difficult for me to complete getting out of bed in the morning. So, no, I got you. <laughs> I, get, I give him, I give him shit all day, every day about. But he's, uh, I was like, "How, how you doing this morning? Did you drink your Jared? Yeah, you <laughs> drink your Jared. The, the same guy you were just talking about carrying a hundred pounds. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I got you know I got to make myself feel better because he's way better than me. <laughs> my, uh, I wake up and be half as good as Mark's anymore, and I'll be a great guy. My uh, my son told me the other night we were watching TV before I'm put into bed, and one of those you know, insurance commercials came on for <laughs> Colonial Life or whatever, and they, yeah. they listed the ages, and he's like, "Dad, you can you can get that insurance." <laughs> like, Thanks for pointing that out, son. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so all right, so you get through uh, RASP. Any any challenges there that? Uh, Oh, tons. I mean, I, I think it was like the on the second week or whatever we were in RASP, and uh, and at the time my wife was pregnant with our first child. Um, it was a lot of there was a lot of mental stuff going on. Obviously, a lot of a lot of things like that, and you you wonder if you can you can't do it. And I think we were rebuilding the barracks outside. I think is what we were doing. We're like third floor, where you know uniform changes, go get your beds, rebuild them out here, that kind of thing. I, I was time. yeah, I was pretty close to. I, I fell down. And I was like my knee, and I thought it hurt because did you hit your life alert button? Yeah, that's what it was. What it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's, you're just oh, bad, man. Yeah, it's all <laughs> It'll be. Yeah. I can't get up. I, feel, oh, uh, I love you, Brian. You know that. Oh, I know. It's, I mean, I'm a step away from a Seattle commercial. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I was gonna be done, and they they basically, you know, I had one of those moments, one of those failure moments, and uh, they they pulled me up, and they were like, "No, you you can you can do this," which is a very rare thing. Yeah, um, that you're not hurt, and uh, so yeah, I went back in and. Did my stuff and that was it. But it was it was difficult. It was it wasn't as difficult. Like everything, it's not as difficult when you're done. Yeah. But at the time, you know, not experience something like that was uh, yeah, it was tough. Yeah. Um, so you show up to your platoon. Again, how? I mean, uh, surely they heard about you. Every, this had to be like rumbling through regiment. Well, you, you went to one seven five first. I did. I did. I went down. <laughs> uh, I went down to Savannah. Um, and uh, for whatever reason, so they had a an RTO kind of course that we were supposed to do at the completion of RASP. Yeah. I really, again, no idea how anything works. And so I was just staring at my beret. I was so proud to, you know, to have it. I just looked at it all morning. And we had a few days of this, of this class. And uh, I think I still a, do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it was a, th- a third, third day of a, of a three week, two week, two, three week course. And I get a phone call up in my barracks room, and they said, you know, come down and bring all your stuff with you. And I was like, oh, my God, I already got fired. I, yeah. I haven't even been <laughs> here. Just showed up. Out. Just done this <laughs> damn thing. Yeah, it's crazy. What, what have I done? I'm running through everything. But the platoon sergeant um, for 175 was up there completing air assault school. And it just happened that they were like, hey, you're the only guy going to 175 because not many of us graduated that class. So they, they said, yeah, you're going to get a ride. And uh, so that's how I met my platoon sergeant. And he was great from the very beginning. You know, we, we went down. Uh, great guy. Um, it's kind of cool that you got a chance to meet him away from the environment. I just, I mean, if I was anything other than Mark's, like I probably would, you know, if I'm private so and so, you know, private Belford driving three hours with my platoon sergeant in the truck, you know, that that's an awkward conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you know, Brian Mark's, you know, you're like, that platoon sergeant definitely feels like, oh, oh God, I hope I pissed this guy off. And no. So, no, you know, that, that's a lot more mature conversation than what it would be for, you know, some 20-year-old riding Yeah, because, I mean, how old was he? Oh, like, oh. 32? Maybe, early early 30s, late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Run through there. I, don't, I, I also didn't know enough to be as intimidated as I probably should have been by my platoon sergeant at the time. Yeah. I mean, just, just, I was intimidated. Well, you're a mature adult. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying, you know. You know and, and we get, get that question. It was funny because, you know, friends would ask, especially when I started to do this, and they'd be like, well, how, how in the world do you take orders from, like, a 25-year-old kid? How do you do this? And yeah, that's different, though, yeah. Sort of. I said, you know, maybe 25, and chronologically I've got some got some years, but if this guy's got five or six more military years of experience, I would be an idiot not to listen to him. Sure. And that was, so it was never really an issue. No, I meant more along the lines of just being mature. Being a mature adult in the way in which, hey, you know, you have mm-hmm. respect for him. Um, he obviously probably had some mutual respect for you because of your age and what you've accomplished, even to this point. Because, a lot, I mean, not a lot of people get to even that point. Maybe. It, yeah, I mean, they, I, there are a lot of people, especially my family, that would argue about the maturity point, sir. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, mine too, Brian. <laughs> yeah. I think about why we get along so well. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> but but I don't, I don't. I think it's just a matter of, you know, I, I, military, non-military, whatever. If you if you treat people with respect, yeah, until they they don't earn that respect anymore, then then you're you're going to be fine. Yeah. So you you did drive three hours mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Okay. So you, you arrive there at Stewart and uh, new guy and, and you walk in the door. I'm just, I mean, again, I I would just be kind of shocked that I've got a guy that's walking in the door of your age in that unit where most guys, you know, at least back in the day, 
typically 80, 18 to, to 36 months was about their rotation out just because it was just burnout. Mm-hmm. And um, here you are walking in the door, and some of these guys are probably thinking about they're getting ready to check out, and then you're walking in, and you're going, jeez, man, I, okay, I might just have to change my mind here, you know. I can't let this happen. I, I don't know if, if, I mean, I'm sure that behind closed doors, you know, there were conversations that, that were had you know, yeah. that, that I wasn't privy to. But I think one of the best things about you know, this organization in general was nobody cares. Yeah. You, know, you, just, you either do your job or you don't do your job. And whatever form that comes in is, is kind of secondary. So I, I don't think really that, you know, besides the initial part or whatever, or occasional <clears> joke <throat> at, at this and that and the other, that it ever really was a factor, honestly, which yeah. is one of the greatest things about it. They just, no one cares. That's the greatest thing about the organization, too, is that, you know, from from the top down, we have the standard, you know? And as long as you're, as long as you're doing the standard, nobody gives a shit about it, you know, everything else. And you're, you know, keeping, you know, living by the Ranger Creed and uh, maintain the standard, like, do your job. Nobody cares about your gender or your any of that crap. Well, and it's funny that you do mention that because a lot of guys who are not in the soft community or are out, not even in the military for that matter, make assumptions differently about that. You know, about, well, gender, you know, when when women started going through uh, the courses and now, of course, there are women in regiment. And, of course, in the very beginning, it was, well, they'll never make it a regiment, you know, they'll, you know, and then now they're in regiment. Then it's I like put the two women that I've worked with in regiment up against the guys that are saying that stuff. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> the same age and the same time. And, I, you know, they can say what they want and they probably were, you know, hard asses at the time. But I guarantee you both of them just would PT the shit right out of them. Yeah. And and, and go as hard as they would in every direction. Well, so there, um, Mike, um, one of the former podcast uh, hosts on here, he's now moved on into working more of a civilian job, was a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL that became a 160th pilot. He switched over and, and uh, went to flight school and such. And Mike was talking about when women entered into the 160th, um, they were out in formation and how... Um, you know, everybody was mumbling amongst themselves, you know, prior to that formation with the Sergeant Major. And, you know, so he thought because he was a little bit older and, you know, all that, he'll go ahead. And when the Sergeant Major asked, does anybody have any problems with this? You know, he raised his hand and they asked him and he said, you know, um, I'm just worried if, you know, she's going to be able to carry me out of combat, you know, uh, in a bad situation. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, all right, well, starting tomorrow at 8 o'clock, we're going to start doing, you know, dead carry and blah, blah, blah. You know, all these different things. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no. yeah. Yeah. I'm not that concerned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because when it comes down to it, you know, they're, they're going to do their job. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've the, like I said, the two um, amazing Ranger females that I've, I've had the pleasure of working with, they crush it every day. I, I, they're they're appreciated, and um, you know I'm sure people have their opinions, but uh, around me they damn sure keep it to themselves. Yeah, I, I would be the first to tell them that um, I, I've RFS you know tons of tons of Rangers that they called themselves Rangers, but they didn't perform like these you know amazing females are crushing them. You know, so if you call yourself a ranger you better be able to do just as much as they do as good as they do it or better if you want to talk shit and um i've read all the crap on facebook and all that stuff you know? right and i'm like they're, they're armchair rangers. yeah i'm yeah. like you, you, uh, you have no idea right yeah like, most of them i mean there are some legit rangers but they're old school very yeah. old school well, usually the old timers you know from the well the thing is like it, it, either change with the time and, and become you know better uh, at, uh with it and a better leader for it and you know all those things involved or you're going to get left behind you know we, we ain't doing things like we did back in world war ii if we were we <laughs> we wouldn't be where we're at right now so. well I, and i say all that bring all this up because <clears throat> you know like you somebody might be judging a book by its cover sizing you up based on you know they're discriminating sure. somehow, and they're wanting you to prove them wrong, right? I'm not sizing him up, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right? If you look at him, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be maybe. the last one to do no, that. But. Lunch is on me, bro. <laughs> I, I don't, like I don't really think, I, I don't know, and, and, and I don't, obviously you never see yourself the way other people see you, so you have no idea. I, I just yeah. never, I'm never the smartest guy in the room, and there's always somebody bigger. It's, it's, it's you know, mm. that, that is what it is, you know? It, well, it is. <laughs> um, I, well, you're pretty humble then, yeah, you know, but very, not, very, not everybody, very holy cow. No, it, it's, and I don't really, not as much humility as it is just like, I, you have to remember that you're lucky to be where you are. Yeah. You know, like work hard and all that. Yes, absolutely. But right. you have to be fortunate 
to last in anything, I think, and especially in, in something like this. There have to be a lot of breaks. People have to have to help you one way or the other, whether you whether you believe that or not. That somebody mm-hmm. in front of the scenes or behind the scenes is helping you get where you are, and uh, and I've had that a ton. Um, I, I like I said, I don't necessarily think um, that it's it, there's been anything prejudicial, and if there has been, it's been as much to my advantage as it has my disadvantage. So I, I don't. I think it's still a pretty level field as far as that goes. But that's that's wisdom. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you just said mm-hmm. is wisdom, which is you know years of experience and learning by mistakes, and then having humility. But you're right. I mean, if if people ask me, Robert, you know, how did you get to do this or that and the other, and it's like, listen, I'm no different than any other person. You know, I may have had some really good breaks. I had some people that were there that thank God they were in my side and, you know, my network or whatever that allowed me to open that door. But something, you know, they would say, no, you did something to crack the door open. And then once you cracked it open, you proved yourself, you know, after that. And I would say the same thing for you, but it's great advice that you're giving to people who are listening, you know, who are already self-checking themselves out for whatever reason, even if it's not option 40, it's not Ranger uh, Regiment. They're checking themselves off, you know, but like he, he's got, he's, and people are successful, you know, army or business or whatever. But um, you have to have that dream, that motivation to reach that stuff. And having the people behind the scenes and, you know, or whatever is great. But if you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. And obviously, Sergeant Marks had, a, you know, he had a goal to get to. So working hard to get to where he was going is, is what kept him going. So that, that's in everything you do, though, you know. So. Yeah, I, I, it's the same thing. And, and you can't rest on can't drink your own Kool-Aid too much. You know, you can't, what, who am I? What have I done? We get that. We get that a lot. Um, we get that a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's great. It's not, not, you shouldn't be proud of yourself, but you know, what you did yesterday doesn't really matter anymore. And then it's true in our place too. That's a, that's a different, there's a difference in being proud of yourself, you know, and being like boastful about yourself. Yeah. Like, Con- confident, but not co- cocky, not yeah. arrogant. Co- yeah. Right. We confident, but not arrogant. And, uh, that, that's, a, that's a great, yeah. Very fine line. It is very, cause I've been to multiple, you know, I don't give a shit if I'm a ranger or not. Like I go to schools and you know, when I was a younger E6, E7 and I treat everybody there, you know, like good people. And I, I don't care what unit you're in. We're all doing the same damn school together. And, uh, you know, I've had people when I went to MLC, for instance, you know, we're all like doing study groups and stuff and I'm helping with, you know, this is stuff we do, you know, all the time at work and these guys never see it. Man, I, they're like, man, I, I've always thought Rangers were assholes. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's unfortunate. But uh, it's it's not being cocky about it. You know, we're all supposed to help each other. And he's he helps. Dude, if I could, if I get like 10 of these guys work, like we'd, we'd run the regiment. <laughs> well, and it's funny that you mentioned about, um, you know, the, the Ranger asshole part of it and everything. Um, I used to be one of those. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, there are, there, you know, there is a, there's a bit of that and everything, but there's, because, again, there's a standard that's been set by Rangers ahead of them that they're trying to maintain and everything else. But when you get down to it, still a very human individual that has a story back behind it, um, real down to earth. I mean... Hell, even on this podcast, as many rangers that we've had on the podcast, whether they're active duty or veterans or whatever, I've, I've never said that. I never thought that. Not once. Well, I think, too, that that's, you know, how you meet somebody, you know, your perspective of how, of how you meet somebody. Yeah. If, you, if you meet somebody as a friend, a friend of a friend, you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt that you wouldn't give somebody else that you met that was the friend of an enemy. Yeah. You know, you're going to see them differently. And, and I think that there's a level of professionalism that exists in our organization that it's not that people don't want to be liked, but being liked is secondary to making sure they're getting done what they need to get done. And that rubs people the wrong way sometimes. Yeah. So I think, I think a lot of that is just the perspective in which people meet you know, on the job and what they're going to do is going to be different. There are, I guarantee there are a large contingent of people who don't see me the same way that people who know me real well see me. And that's okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way we had to meet in order for me to get what I had to get done. Oh, yeah. um, right. Perfect you know, advice. You know, on, on that same topic, uh, you know, when people bring me, you know, hey, I got this guy, you know, he can work for you. I don't like, you know, this guy. Or you know, when I was a squad leader, people would be like, you want this guy, take this guy. And they would come to me and be like, oh, this guy sucks and he can't do this. And I was like, dude, look, as long as he, you know, ain't broken, I'll make my own judgments. I don't, you're getting rid of him for a reason that isn't going to be the same reason I judge him on. So let him have at least a fair shake. Don't, unless he's been in trouble and I have to deal with that crap. Yeah. 
Other than that, like give the kid a fair shake in the new new squad or tune. I, I think honestly, you're absolutely right. You know, personally, like, it depends on on you know the peg and the hole kind of stuff. And a lot of these kids, like we talked about, 17, 18 years old when they come in and decisions are made immediately about what they want to do or what they think they want to do. <clears throat> and sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean that they can do it. It doesn't make them a bad ranger or a bad soldier because they can't. They just haven't found that fit. So we've had a lot of success, you know, in, in my part in taking people who were either chose or, or forced into a different line of work. That, He's uh, brought right? a lot of dudes. Um, do you remember um, my last podcast when we were just doing me, the, the, the second one, mm-hmm. um, about the reclassing and stuff? Well, he in his platoon, you know, because he, he's a great mentor, dude, to myself. Actually, you know, I go to him and talk, and uh, he, he just he's just a great guy, and he he'll he'll you know recruit those guys down at the company levels that aren't like doing the eleven Bravo thing, you know, as well, or they're not getting their tab when they're supposed to, and he'll scoop them up, you know, if they're a decent, you know, ranger, and they have like they can be developed, and he's reclassed like six or seven dudes from that. Such a great program, uh, and it goes back to like judging the book by its cover. But it's also that um, perception sometimes becomes reality, and um, so you've got to overcome that perception, you know, because people people start perceiving and they create that what they want to see about you, and they they judge you or whatever the case may be. And yet, then it also may be like a program like this where. Um, you're doing everything you can. You're rangering hard. You're just not cut out for the job that you came into. And you thought it was right. The Army thought it was right, at least in the initial phase, because they had you sign the dotted line. But that's all they did in an assessment, right? Check. Yep. And you passed <laughs> basic training or you passed AIT or OSIT, whatever you went through. And that's the, yeah, yeah, you qualified with the basic minimum. Then you go to an elite organization and you have to hold that standard to its highest level. That's a very different story, and so there's nothing wrong um, with re, you know, self-assessing or somebody coming to you and saying, "Hey, you're just not a linebacker in Division One football." Right. You know, we're gonna we're gonna reassess this whole situation, and um, that that doesn't happen in the the normal, you know, conventional army or conventional military that much. And so, kudos to a regiment that they're they have that kind of program. But you're getting outstanding soldiers who meet the criteria from, you know, the physical standpoint, understand what it means to, you know, wear that beret every day and that, you know, got to earn it every day. And then you're getting a great guy that you can then now mold into something very different. Yeah. And part of it, honestly, is is the and it's a philosophy, I guess, if you will. And, and especially as I get towards the, the end of of my portion in being where I'm at and what I'm doing, moving into the more administration portion, administrative, excuse me, portion of the career, you know, you, the idea is, I guess, the, and I, I don't know who had the quote, but, you know, we will never sit under the shade of the trees that we plant here. We, we won't do it. So what are we doing now to figure out how this is going to run after we're gone and do this? And these are the guys that are going to do it. So it's just like your kids or anything else. This is an investment. Mm-hmm. And you try to make it the best while still maintaining that, that standard has to be done. So, yeah. That's so Major Johnson had a, you know, I'm sure you've heard some of his stuff, but when he says, you know, what are you doing right now? To ma- for uh, regiment twenty fifty five, hmm. so yeah, I, I like that, you know, and, and the things you're doing, you know, and the, the the mentorship you provide to those guys down there, and bringing those young rangers in, and you know, giving them a second chance. That you're doing exactly what you know the our majors are talking about. Uh, my, my squad leaders are doing it. Like you know, I'm, I'm I'm pulling the strings and putting the chess pieces on, but it's the guys. It's it's those those sixes that are that are making these guys better guys. Like I see it every day. Hey, your present leader though, <clears throat> you know, like hurt or not, like I've now been out with my foot broken and out there running, doing kit runs, and I'm like, this is gonna suck. And me and him are like, bro, I'm, I'm broke. And he's like, me too, George. Aren't. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, hey man, we're just gonna. I'll carry you. You carry me. But Survive. Okay, yeah. But, um, you know, he's, he's a present leader. You know, we talk about that all the time as far in, in the Army. You either got it or you don't, and he has it. Because in what we do, like, you can, in his position, like, he, he's, in a, he's in a place where he can, like, kind of tell people to do things. Yeah. But <clears throat> he's always the guy out there with his kit on, his radio's turned on, like, just bouncing around, helping, doing, doing everything. So that that resonates really well with your guys, you know, and they see that, and they're like, "That's that's what I you know. I hope so. I mean, I'm sure they still have their bitches, but you know, it's uh, yeah. I'd rather be there and be bitched about than not be there and be. Well, bitched I about. see. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, how was one seven five? How I mean, as far as you're in that, that's kind of where at least I don't know that all Rangers will admit it, but isn't that where all Rangers want to go? Is one seven five just because of Savannah? I'm, I, I know you're partial to three, but well, I think it's dem- demographically <laughs> driven too. If you're, you're again an 18 year old Ranger and you have a choice between Tybee Island and, and downtown Columbus, I don't think the choice yeah, is right. Hard, you know. I made the decision for my son. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was great. One seven five was great. Um, you know, I loved it. Loved the time there. I still always kind of consider myself that because that's where I, you know, I grew up. But yeah. I, I have been fascinated by the lack of differences in battalions. Like it, at the end of the day, like we always make fun of each other because it's fun and it's yeah. fun to do. But there's there's good guys there. There's good guys here, and and everything kind of goes back and forth. I've worked with more. Of my one seven five leaders since I've been at three seven five, then I think I did, you know, at, at one seven five. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So well, Brian brings a brings a smile to Angry Bat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's always smiling, you know, chewing gum. He's like, our brothers aren't. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's fun. Well, it's not the it's not the guys that are at our level that are that are mad. It's you know, I don't know what that's bred into, but it, it's it's fun to watch just because it's interesting. <laughs> I don't know if they practice in mirrors and whatnot, but it's a it's a great thing, and they do a great job at it. it scare me. <laughs> so how did you end up at three seven five? Then did you? Uh, actually put in for it or was it just that time that uh, sort of I, you know, I did uh, my charter time down at Fort Gordon so I went mm-hmm. back to Fort Gordon in 2016 um, to do uh, the liaison job for the recruiting <clears> detachment <throat> regiment and was down there for two years and then when that time came up um, I was supposed to go back to 175 that stuff never works and, and I knew that and then they were going to send me to 275 um, and I really didn't want to go to 275 not because of anything at all against 275 but geographically we we're still deploying all the time at that time at that point uh, my family's whole support system was on the East Coast. It was just not a good fit. And, yeah. and, and uh, so I, I, I called everybody that I could. And uh, we talked about that help before, and I got some help. And I was able to get to, to 375, and I got there in 2018. Yeah. Um, what was the transition like? You said that, you know, you'll find that there's not as much differences, but... Was there much of a transition? Well, I, I was fortunate enough that when I came, I had a little bit of time to kind of right seat ride the platoon sergeant, kind of look and see how things were run, see what yeah. was good, you know, like anything, take what I like and... See if we can accentuate that and take what I don't. See what we can what we can do. I got a I got a question on that on that same thing. Well, so you you did your charter time after one seven five, and then you know uh, when I came. For those who are listening, what is a charter time? So it's whenever you uh, you go out, you know, you take the ranger knowledge that you get, you know, from you know private through uh, whatever um, leadership up to platoon sergeant. Uh, because you have to have your charter time by the time you, your first aren't. But um, between private and the uh, E7, <clears throat> and you go out to the regular army um, somewhere in the general purpose force, and you <clears throat> kind of give back, right? Because our um, I, I mean, that's the Abrams uh, charter. Yeah, Abrams charter. It, uh, uh, humbly enough, like our guys are the best at what they do, you know, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, they train more hours. They shoot more ammo. You know, um, they're not they're not coming there to like, hey man, I, this is how you should do it. They get you know they go there with like, hey, I can teach you how to do that a little better. So uh, if you know the Ranger Regiment goes out to the Army and comes back to us, which is great. But when they go out there, if they make you know, like I said, the one percent better yesterday. Like if you're just making one person one percent better throughout the, your entire time to be there to change somebody, like that's an effective change. Uh, that's that's what the charter's for. Yep. But, um, and and not everybody back in the day that was more of a requirement. Um, it doesn't seem like it's as much now. If you want to hang around, you know that. Back in the day, it it wasn't a requirement. Officers, officers only. Oh. Now the NCOs have to go out. I thought it was the other way around. Mm-mm. So back in the day, you could go from private to sergeant major at the regiment if you're just you know if you're the, that good, <clears throat> but uh. Now with with the charter, you have to. By the time you're a platoon sergeant, that's your that's your LOA until you go out and do your charter. But there's so many guys that have ended up staying in the regiment, twelve, fifteen years, never spend any time in conventional. Gray area. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, Mark's um, he uh, I, my question to you was when you you did your time up to E six. Yeah, I was, E6 I was E6 when I got here. So E6, uh, and then you went to the regular Army. So how was that coming back? Did, were you? Uh, well, let's first talk about the transition <clears throat> over. 
Because before Sandra. no to conventional army. I mean, yeah, yeah. you walk in the door, then we'll come from coming yeah, yeah. back in. That's good. So you transition over. Where'd you go? Uh, Fort Gordon. Oh, okay. So you stayed there. You went third ID. No, this was the the interesting thing. One of the the kind of gray areas that we were talking about too is I never actually had to leave regiment. So I went there as a liaison for regiment, and I was stationed actually at bedding with duty at Gordon. So I was down there to recruit to, to try to facilitate people with option 40 contracts, so on, et cetera, get them to airborne get them to, to make a, a, you know, a contract for regiment. So we do have the, it, not really a gray area for say, I don't know what people think is like, Oh, they just, there's a good boy system. Cause there's not for the most part, but, uh, the great, like the liaisons, right? Like when they go out to they're they're out at airborne school, you know, or out at, you know, and they, they're going out to all the basic trainings, recruiting, and, and they, they're doing just that charter thing, you know, and they're going out to Fort Gordon to be liaisons and, you know, uh, show. Kind of like in-service recruiters, really. Yeah, exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah. Yep, 100%. But, um, yeah, so we spent, uh, spent two years out there, and how was it? Um, it was okay. Uh, I... You, you appreciate it was a ranger appreciation trip in a lot of ways um and not because of the individuals the people were great had a lot of really really good people down there but the systems and the and the way that things go and especially being an ait kind of station especially for soft skills it was a culture shock for me a little bit um pretty much throughout the time i was there so i mean it was good um but it was it was definitely different and i it definitely made me appreciate what we do a little more now while you were doing that were you still Having to maintain ranger standards? Yes. Okay. So, because you're attached to regiment. You still right. had a tambourine. Yep. I, I still, still wore the beret. We still had to, I would actually come to Benning to jump. Yeah. Um, and, and all those things and do standards. And yes, we still had still to. Still got to do five miles, 40. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, 280 PT. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> um, I'm sorry. We'll back up a little bit. So, before you went to Gordon, you had to go to ranger school. That's correct. Obviously. So, how was... Uh, how was in Ranger How old were you when you graduated Ranger School? 43. 43 when you graduated Ranger School. So, wait. Uh, so, you, you go to RASP. 175. Go to 175. You go to Ranger School at 175. Correct. At 43 years old. Mm-hmm. Did you recycle? No, not not for that one. I have to, but that's like, that's complete luck. That That's just luck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Not the fact that he's like, hey, I'll take the 240 and this, I'll bring it over here. Yeah. I made, I made some horrible decisions about weight during the during that <laughs> So how would you, uh, how would you, <clears throat> how was your experience? Let's put it that way. And in, in how, how was training for ranger school? Like, I, I mean, I know I've seen you train your ass off, but, um, you know, for other things that you've done in your life, you know, football, and getting ready for RASP and, you know, maintain the standards. like. And you've had multiple static line jumps and having to maintain the standards. Yeah, for three years, exactly. <laughs> and then you go off to ranger school at your age. I, I mean, I think... I hate I, to keep pointing no, back to that, no, but it is an obvious thing, exactly, right? Yeah. 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 No, I, I think it, it was it was a huge advantage that I deployed already when I went to school, um, or by the time I, by the time I went to school, and I had I had deployment under my belt. Um, and, and largely, we, we, we chose that because, again, kind of thinking forward, my wife was... Uh, pregnant with my first son and to go to school and be up against the potential birth of that son if we had to recycle this that I thought I would I would make the well what I think is the right decision but I would have left and I didn't want to put myself in that position so we waited so I had the deployment um it I mean it sucked it was ranger school it wasn't fun you know they, they always talk whether you're a tired ranger or a hungry ranger I was, I was both uh, <laughs> I'm star all the time. Yeah. um but uh but it wasn't it, it's it's one of those one foot in front of the other things. I mean, it was bad. But how, how much of a break did you have to get ready for it? I, well, it wasn't really a break, but I, but I think honestly that you, <laughs> nothing you did right <laughs> was a break. You, you started getting ready for it when when you got there. I don't yeah. I, I don't recall really much of a change to like the PT plan that we were doing or anything when we were prepping for school. Now now they have a lot of things and, and it's great that they do. They have ranger school PT plans and things like this, and, and yeah. maybe we did, and I just didn't didn't use it. Was no there one. a pre ranger at that time frame? The cert, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. everybody yeah. still has to go to the cert. Yeah. Um, have you have you always been like um, physical specimen? I would say. I, no. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like you said, I've been a luckier like in that sense, and the and the appearance has always been one that. that People think that I'm in better shape than I am all the time. You know, it's a, it's a pretty rapper without necessarily a good kid candy inside. But, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't. Uh, like the Chaco with the cherry in the middle. Like, yeah. I don't really, you know, I don't care about uh, 
Beachbody and stuff like that, but I've always, I've always worked out, but I never worked out the way that we work out until I joined. I mean, I ran track in college too, and I never ran five miles in my life until I got here. Like I just, I was like, what, why? Um, still ask myself <laughs> that. Me. Yeah. But the, uh, no, there, there wasn't much of a change in yeah. that. It was just continuing to do what you do and then, and then go. And, and yeah, it was, uh, it was not fun, but uh, yeah, <laughs> you got it done. I got to tell you, looking at you, especially in the Hawaiian shirt, you got the hair, the looks, everything else. It's like dead on Navy SEAL. I can't believe you just said that. Yeah, I know that's that's a bad, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's like the hair, the whole bit, and of course yeah. you came from Tampa, Florida. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, you acquired yeah. the look if, there if while you were there, Brian. A, if he had his beard on, because he got he, has, he grows a great beard too. But yeah. if he had his beard on, I, that would definitely be a Almost like Chris Kyle's size, too. Like yeah, he looks like an actor or something. Wow. Uh, Thanks, Jesus. We're just loving on you, man. Yeah, Sorry. I know. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people are going to be... I've actually had a few folks that reached out to me, younger guys that are looking at going in that asked about, um, hey, why don't you have some people you know, from communications and everything? So I'm going to ask you a question. You can give uh, generalized details, however much you want and everything. Um, when you deployed... What was your role? What was your mission? How does that work? You know, because people are going to say, what does, what does, what does comma guys do? You know, what is it? Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a multi-tiered thing. For the majority of my deployments, I was acting as an RTO. So I strapped whatever radios to my back that, that I needed to or computers and the stuff like that. And we got on helicopters and went and did the job. Um, that God, was a lot work. of that. Yeah, it really, really was. Um, <laughs> great times. <clears throat> and then and then as you get, you know, there, there are a lot more administrative duties and set up and, and, and larger picture issues that we deal with now, but we'll still go and we'll do the things. So my guys now, again, like we talked about that are my, my E4s, E5s, E6s, those are guys out there that are, that are putting those radios on their back and jump out of airplanes. And I am trying to put the pieces together and make sure that they have the ability to communicate on a broader spectrum. Then are you in a talk? I would be at this point. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So more three shop, uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a, kind of a mix of all the shops. So whatever, whatever we, we, we have to set the groundwork to enable everybody to do their jobs efficiently, honestly, is what it is. So we're usually in there first. We're making sure he, it's set up. He's, um, I'll help you. He, he does like, um, think about, you know, direct and organizational, like he, he, for the battalion, like he's the, he sets things up for the organizational uh, overview, if you will, for, you know, the top tier down mm -hmm. um, and bottom up communication. So the okay. guys that the RTO guys that are, you know, doing their job, can talk to him. Oh, it's it's good to kind of like lay out what that looks like. I mean, so if you think of like a um, a communications map above um, the geographical map, you're making sure that all coordinated communications are coming in, and you know everything's working properly on the channels, and and you know that that's a huge shoot move and communicate. It's a huge communicate is a huge piece. Of the shoot move, you shoot, know, move communicate. You got to have those three. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's great. It's it's a lot of, um, like I said, it's a lot of planning. Yeah, you know, our our jobs usually won or lost prior to anything ever starting. We just know that and we have to be and and it, you know, like anything else, if someone's microwave breaks down, they're going to call Combo and we're going to try to figure out how to fix it. Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. But he's actually on one of my little speed dial buttons. <laughs> That's no joke. Like I'm like boop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it, no, it's it, it's great. It's challenging. Uh, usually challenging and we complain about it a lot because you know if you're not complaining you don't have a job but uh at the end of the day it's it's great i mean it, yeah it, i'm only a communicator honestly because that was the only thing i could get an option 40 contract on the time yeah. it has worked out very well that that that, that happens so um is in no, we're going to get to the transition into um back into regiment everything and uh, battalion but Transition out of the military, at least it's a, it's a very good skill set, and a lot of the stuff that you're learning, especially at regiment, you're getting to play with some pretty cool toys. Well, it's, it's, it's honestly one of the, the, the hardest things about keeping people is because they do have the abilities now to do a lot of things, both in the, in the civilian sector and in the military sector, in or without the military, um, and they're sought after. And so trying to keep a skilled communicator um, with all the investments you put into them, with as much as they know, trying to keep them in our organization is one of the more difficult things and not because they're leaving because they're disgruntled but because they have other opportunities they can pursue. Yeah. No, I, I wanted to hit on that because yeah, I know sure. that some people are looking at, well, they think that the only pipeline into regiment is, you know, 11 Bravo. And that's true. Uh, but yet you can serve in so many different capacities nowadays, you well, know, I mean, we, we take, I mean, hooks. Well, we just 
uh, yeah. reclass the nineteenth Delta that we somehow snatched up, but I have no idea. Showed up in my office like I was like, "What do you do?" He's like, "I'm a nineteenth Delta." I was like, "How the hell?" Yeah, Casca. How do you, how do you? Yeah, that uh, is kind of a uh, how it, the it, hell. Like it's somewhere in the Matrix. He's like, "Boop!" Here he popped out, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's literally what happened because they're like, "I don't know," but um, he uh, he wanted to reclass to be communications anyway, so that yeah. worked out well. But uh, yeah. Thanks, but um, he uh, thanks, Casco. Uh, uh, we we ha- we have done it, you know. We have um, uh, forty-one alphas, you know. It's like uh, seventy-four or something. Seven, yeah, it's like seventy-four different um, MOSs that that we have, and uh, y- you can come in, in any of them. The, the the problem we get is whenever um, they get, they'll come to RASP, right? And we can get them in RASP one, but the physical portion, you know, they, they usually peter out pretty quick. And you, if you get start with 10, you might get two, but, uh, um, like our riggers, man, like we, we need riggers and, um, we, we can't get them, you know, through cause I don't know why you wouldn't want to be rigger for us. Cause if you're going to do that job, that's who I'd want to do it for. But right. <clears throat> I'd rather do it for us than, you know, <laughs> airborne school. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. They, but for them, like, we, you know, we're, we're working where we can, like, try to bridge the gap between Airborne School and us. So, you know, if those guys are, you know, have the aspirations to come over and be one of us, like, they can come over and see how we work and do things. And then um, our guys are starting to, like, do PT with them and help get them ready, you know, from, like, 06 to 09 to go to RASP 2. So then we can get those guys through and, and fill our gaps. Yeah, I think that was one of the things, I, if I recall correctly, when we sat down with the kind of recruiting team and, and uh, RASP team and stuff there at Regiment, was that um, it's kind of the same thing. Don't self-select. You know, no matter what your MOS is, come to us, talk to us about it, and we'll let you know You know yeah. what, the, what the path in is. If, and you say, uh, if you say, I could never do that, then you can never do then that. You've already, yeah, you've already right. self-selected. Yeah. If, you, if you go there and give 100% of what you got to give, I mean, there's, if, you can run four, if you can run five and 40 and do 70 push-ups and 80 sit-ups, yeah. you can do that. You can get your ass through RASP, period. I mean, and just don't quit. Yeah. You know, quit tomorrow, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so um, to transition it back into battalion, how was that, you know, having been a liaison out there for a couple of years? Well, you got that shirt at 175 first before you did. Well, yeah, well, okay. yeah. All right, well, I didn't know when we were going to go into the shirt. perfect place for me to insert it because I was like, he hasn't left yet. Yeah, the, uh, I apologize, too. It wouldn't be an old band show if I didn't use the restroom at least once during the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, the FRG coordinator down at, uh, at 175, and I believe, I'm not certain, um, that there's a pair of shorts that goes along with it. I never I never got those. Oh. Matching shorts. Yeah, yeah, um, got to be Ranger panties, right? <laughs> much like most of the positive things in my life, my wife got this for me while I was deployed. So she actually Ding. ordered it down there, yeah, and, and took care <laughs> of that. So, And then I came back and, and, and had it, and uh, yeah, I, I just love it. It reminds me of Magnum P.I. I don't have the shorts to wear with it, but I think that it's a perfect Magnum P.I. shirt for me. See, my if dude. you had a thick yeah. mustache, you'd be yeah. like right along with oh, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Just, I need a Higgins and off we go. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. but uh, no, it's, it's, it's been awesome. But, I love these shirts. Yeah, it, it looks way better on you than it does me. But um, So how did you acquire this one? We were at a retreat in... Uh, Yours is like all over. It's like deep blue with yellow and green. It's like to be uh, loud, you know. I just like when the people I'm in the room I stick out. No, it, I really, I really don't. But. It pretty much, uh, if you, if you take the uh, 75th Ranger crest, uh, you that's your shirt. Yeah. Um, with flowers included with it. Um, whereas Brian's is a little bit um, more definitely Hawaiian. Well, muted, uh, more muted crest and uh, that's on it and stuff. Really cool shirts, but like yours is. This is like about dialed on four. Yours is about on fifty. Well, you know, it's how three seven five does stuff, not one seven five. You know, <laughs> we want to know. We want people to know. But um, whenever uh, we went, we went on a retreat in Florida, and uh, we were standing in line, and I, you know, obviously could see Marks and his giant back up there. I was like, I was like that's a badass shirt. 
So I literally went up there and just kind of begged him to get the guy's numbers and all that stuff to where he got the shirt. I was yeah. like, I need that shirt in my life. And, uh, <laughs> and then every time I saw him that day, I was like, bro, I need that shirt. That was pretty, that was pretty persistent. Yeah, um, yeah you were. So um, what, what do you have to do to like... <clears throat> well, we got, you know, our S5 shop does all the ordering and stuff. And oh, so you just get it. You can just go down there. It, there's not like no rite of passage in order to get the Hawaiian shirt. No, it'd be no. cool. For, I think it's a good be. idea, though. Yeah, like, it's not could, bad. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I, I, uh, I was very persistent on where he got the shirt. He's like, oh, I'll get it for you. Then um, when we went home, I didn't hear anything. So I, I did what I do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you didn't understand, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, didn't know, I didn't know the gravity of the situation. Yeah. I, was like, I really uh, want this. is for Sergeant yeah. Belford. Maybe I didn't make it clear. This is your first task for the day. <laughs> and uh, about, I don't know, it's like a month later, I walk in the S5 shop and I see these like stacks of boxes. And I was like, what's that? And they're like, um, starting to put them out over here. And I was like, I love, I love Brian. I love Brian at the moment. Well, I, that was that I. He's, I facilitated well, the information, but that was Deb. I had nothing to so do. So who? With that but who? Person. Who selected your color palette? That's what I want to know. Like, it, was that you? Or that definitely wasn't me. Okay, no, all right. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm I think not that sure. was. I think Chambers said it was the only one that we had. I, I would almost say it's a sad joke from one seven five two three seven five. Go with that. That's your fault. <laughs> there's, well, there's a few. I know. <laughs> there's a few people that have these up there. That, you know, yeah. yeah. But. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. So, does it mean is the guy that makes them? Is it a uh, former bat guy or anything? I have zero idea. Honestly, like I said, and even even when you know I get tasked with something like this, I again take it up to household six, and she takes care of, of all of this <laughs> stuff. So, I'm sure she helped facilitate where and, and how, or if they used a whole different vendor. You know, I'm I'm not sure because this has been. Couple years. And she's probably she's probably at the point. It's like Jesus Christ, would you leave it alone with a damn shirt? Yeah. <laughs> well, you could leave it alone with and then put three dots because it's just about everything I can. I'm going to be going to Hawaii in July. You know, you I'm just throwing that out there. You can yeah. this one. Well, I'll, get, I'll get you one from her. Forgot one. <laughs> uh, all right. So now, how long have you been in uh, in battalion or regiment in total? Uh, well, I guess almost a year of training. So a little over eleven. Eleven. Okay. Actually, yeah. In in regiment. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're seven now? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, moving right on up. Yeah, it's, you know, it goes. I, I, I always kind of hoped to get to like maybe this level by the time I retired, which is cathartic in the sense that I don't care as much anymore. I'm more concerned about, about other things, doing the job than I am about, uh, and staying in the job, honestly, with, with health and whatnot than I am about rank, but definitely yeah. on track to make our major. Yeah. Well, for whatever reason they keep promoting me, I still have beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you've already gone over the hump and this is the easy part. You know, that last 10 years is just, it flies by. So enjoy every moment of that. But, um, you obviously decided that you're going to go ahead and stay until retirement. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as long as, as long as they'll keep me. Yeah. Yeah. We'll ride it till the wheels fall off. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's your, uh, kind of long-term career goals and stuff? <laughs> Well, it's funny you say that because we get asked that all the time, and I'm like, well, you know, perhaps I'll greet at Walmart. I'm not really sure. What <laughs> um, I, you know, the, the most important part, honestly, now outside of, of what we do at Regiment is, is my kids. So whatever puts them in the in the best position to do something, I, I, there's a lot of things that I would like to do, maybe sort of, but there's nothing that's that's struck me as this is the thing I'm going to do when I'm done with with this. Um, Always want to write a book, so I'll probably do that. Um, no, honestly, I know that's kind of the cliche, but yeah, probably. Um, I, I, I want to be in that book. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, we have different names, of course. We'll, you know, protect no, you can just literally write it in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, you know, again, to kind of spend as, as much time as, as we do get, which they do give us a lot, it'll be nice to spend time with the kids eventually, even though they'll probably be out of the house at that point. Um, yeah. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> when it's a different age now, maybe, maybe they aren't, but, uh, but yeah, there, there's nothing, nothing concrete that I'm, I'm like, this is what I need to do. It'll be, I'll be 60, you know, so it's, it's going to be a perspective. It's issue. just so it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's wild That's to me. A, yeah. yeah. Well, I just retired before I came in. That's all. So I had those, those 20 years. I retired so. at 39 though, yeah. Brian. I mean, yeah. I didn't really retire obviously because right. I, I still work a, a real job outside of podcasting, but a real job, yeah, a, a, a real job, you know, now what I'd like to Where do this, pay me when I'm worth, right. What, would I like to do this all the time? Hell yeah. This would be great uh, as a full-time gig, yeah. but, um, and well, I gotta hey, pay Joe the bills. Rogan. Joe Rogan, we want to help you out, buddy. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I mean, yeah, that's, uh, that's different. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very different in getting, um, so what kind of, what kind of advice uh, could you pass on to those who are listening, um, who are, in, whether they're younger, whether they're your age or whatever, you know, just from your wisdom and having gone through it, um, 
in this stage of your life? What I, I think, you know, again, just, just from, from errors and whatnot and mistakes I've made, and who knows if this helps anybody or not, but I, I think you're only, as we talk about the age thing especially, you're only too old to do something when you're older. And I mean that by if you're 24 and you want to go back to school and you want to try to play lacrosse or something in, in sports, and you, go, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm too old. You're only too old until you're 27, and then you realize 24 wasn't too old. And when you're 30 and all of a sudden I'm, I'm too old to do this, school, whatever it might be, vocational change, you're too old until you're 35, and then you realize at 30 you weren't too old. So I, I, I would just say that there's perspective in you're not too old until you look back and, and, and realize that you weren't, so don't wait. Just do do what you want to do. You don't have the extra ice cream cone, whatever that might be, whatever that means to you. Just do it. Yeah, if it doesn't work out. So what? That's a great perspective too. No, it's it's excellent. But at your age too is the point probably at which um, I realized I also had to stop, slow down, and smell the roses. And it takes a little bit later. And you know you you live dangerously your front end of your life, and then you start realizing you know what that when I really look at it that was a flash. You know and Unfortunately, because of gravity, we don't get to stay on this earth that long. Um, so I know that my days then are numbered. And at some point you realize that, right? Prior to that, you didn't even think about that. You just lived dangerously. And, and um, so have you reached the point where you're like, but at the same token, I've got to stop and slow down and smell the roses to at least as much as I can because, you know, this will be a this will be a blip. It'll it'll go by so quick. Well, um I acknowledge it, but I guess the short answer would be no. Yeah. Um, we don't have time. Yeah. I mean, he's still rowing yeah. both oars in the water, and they keep grinding down. So, I mean, literally, there's no time for that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think – I think it's part of it, it too. Like, I you know, I, I don't, I don't mean, that. like, slow down. I, maybe I didn't – Yeah, but your mind, like, I know – Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I address it, and, and sometimes I, I get to the point where I'm like, okay, I know I should be appreciating this much more than I do. Yeah. I know, I know that. I yeah. acknowledge it, but I still don't do it. Um, it's a talent I have not yet acquired. Um, <laughs> okay. And I'm sure right. that might do. I, I, I would say, you know, I've got better as I've gotten older with not apologizing what I, for what I enjoy. Like, if I, if I want to do so, if I just want to sit at home and do this, or if I just want to watch the kids, if I just, whatever it might be that isn't necessarily as popular or palatable to people, so long as it's not, you know, legal, moral, all that kind of stuff, right. I, I just, I don't care. I don't, I don't, it doesn't bother me what other people's perspective are as much as it once did, which you, is people, if you're listening, you should start that at an early age and, and do that through. If you have a passion to do something and a dream to do it. And what's holding you back is because, you know, somebody tells you that, Oh, that's dumb. Or you, you'll never be able to do that or all those things. Like don't ever take, and use Brian as an example, like don't ever allow that toxicity in your life to, to change your mind on something that you actually personally have a passion about because somebody else's passion isn't yours and yours isn't theirs. So that's great. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's the same thing we would talk about too. First one. Like if, if you, you know, the only, the only thing harder to handle uh, than a friend's failure is a friend's success, right? So people don't consciously want to hold people back, but they certainly don't want to watch somebody else excel because it reminds them of their own shortcomings and failures. And so you have to take that into consideration when you're trying to do something bigger and better. And wow. You, that's that's yeah, powerful. <laughs> and if you don't have people in your life that are, that are you know, because, you, you know, we get so wrapped up. We were talking about this the other day about Facebook and the like button and all that bullshit, you know, that everybody, like, dives into and needs. They need that instant a affirmation, right? But if you don't have the people in your life, uh, and I didn't learn this in, in, until late, very late, but um, the that support you, make you better every day, that um, you know, don't tell you, hey man, you're crushing it every time you're not, um, and are you know, can true heart, true-hearted people that that want to see you succeed and not nagging negative Nancy all day every day, like you need to cut those people out and let that bloom go, man, and. Uh, surround yourself, like we said yesterday, with the people that are going to make you better, like Brian. Well, it's it's ironic, you know, you especially for parents, you know, you know, you're you're very concerned all the time of who who your kids hanging around with, right? Because whoever they're hanging around with, that's what they're going to do. That's what and we when we do and we watch that, but we don't do it for ourselves. You know, we no, we talked about that. We talked about the circle yeah. of five. Who you hang around with yeah. is probably going to be who you are. It, it is. And, it's and, who I was. Yeah. You know? it, it absolutely. And you can't help it. You can't. Now you are drawn to those people. It's not like it is totally someone else's fault. I don't like that. Why? You know, I was associated with this. You no, know, you, you were looking for that, or, mm -hmm. or you wouldn't have gone there. But you have to have the wherewithal to pull yourself out of that if you see it's not the direction you want to go. Yeah. yeah. Self awareness for sure. 
No, great, great uh, advice, and and thanks for sharing that. Because uh, again, you know, you're mentioning some of the same things too about you know. Don't let others influence you. Make sure you got the right circle that's around you, that's providing the good advice. And, and then at the same token, don't then start selling your shortcomings as that, that being, you know, who you are and let that define you and stuff. You know, go out there. And I think, you know, too, a lot of people don't understand what their ceiling is because they've never been pushed to the point of knowing what their ceiling is. So they, they, they impose a ceiling and thinking, oh, I can't do that. Well, now you've already set a ceiling. Um, and the only way that you're going to know if you can go further than that is to push yourself, see if you can accomplish it. And if you can't accomplish it, is there a reason why? Did you, again, self-select? Is it because you didn't work out hard enough? You didn't apply the principles to get you to that point where you could push beyond that ceiling? You know, and if you, but if you've done all that and that is the best that you can do, that's okay too. You know, and um, you just now know that you're not able to do some of the things you wanted to do. But like in your case, it sounds like you had that figured out very early on. You wasn't going to let it, you weren't going to let anything stand in your way of what you wanted to accomplish. And, and you set out and did it. Yeah. I mean, whether you understood it or not, you just, you, you did no. do that. You, 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 wonder, <laughs> yeah. you wonder what the perspective would be if it, if it hadn't worked out, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of where the, 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 the crux of it is, is, okay, let's say I did all this and we're not sitting here because it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. I would think I'd still be just as happy with myself that I went through all that away and, and tried. So I think that's a, a lesson that people lose sometimes too, that it's not, the, the result isn't as important as, as the effort, right? So if you, if you want to do something, don't be concerned about what it's going to look like when it doesn't work out, because sometimes it doesn't. But having the ability to try that will, will spur you on, I think, for other things. But if you're not and you're just your life is secular, you know, why? Enjoy the process and, and ride out the journey. And yeah. if it doesn't work, doesn't work, change direction. Brian, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, That's and good. sharing your story. I hope it uh inspires others um that you know and and your words and stuff of what you've mentioned about um you know especially here on the end of of how you measure yourself and how you you know apply yourself is going to make a, a lot of difference um hopefully that kind of resonates with a lot of the folks out there and uh, like once again thanks for coming on mentors military yeah man i appreciate you brian you know um since I got in the seat, like you've been a great mentor to me, you know, I've came to you for things and you talk to me or you give me your advice and 99% <clears throat> of the time I take it, you know, cause, um, you know, I'm trying to do what you're talking about. I surround myself with people like, you know, you just said, and you're definitely that person and, uh, you bring positivity to people's lives every day. And, um, you know, as I'm going out of the seat, you know, I was like, there's, there's no, no, no more people that I'd rather work with and, and spend my days with than, than somebody like you. And, and I really appreciate the last uh, two years of, you know, you mentoring me and I, me being the first orange. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't do what I do without, um, what you guys do. And I, I'm not that good at my job, but these guys are excellent at theirs and they make me look good. So I appreciate you, Mark. I, I disagree with you a little bit there on, on, on several of those lines, but yeah, I, no, I really, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun. I like to talk. It's always fascinating that anyone gives crap what I have to say, but I'll still say it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk. It was good. I liked it.